Hello, you've reached the Running From Diabetes hotline. To enter a race, plus one. To enter your blood sugars, press two. To gripe about being a diabetic, press three. To listen to the podcast, press four. Welcome to the Running From Diabetes Podcast. This is Kevin Kilograms, and this is my audio journal of my life dealing with diabetes as I train for endurance sports. Welcome to Running From Diabetes. This is Kevin Kilograms, and you caught me on a, a walk slash one run day getting back into it and just a just recording an update on how the week has progressed Thanksgiving week has come and gone and uh, we'll have to see how how it's progressed so far but I fought tooth and nail to stay within this in the guidelines of my new lifestyle I'd give it like week two or three or whatever it is, but I've decided that since it is a lifestyle instead of a diet, I am going to be doing a whole food plant-based lifestyle for the rest of my life because that's now the medicine and I'm going to choose as opposed to relying on the doctors that doesn't mean I'm not going to the doctors that just means that I'm going to take an even more active part of my life she's all the wind but so I'm not going to name it a week because it's just the beginning 10 years from now it'll depending on my life be the middle or maybe the end or maybe still the beginning but Need to say there will be no week count, which means there's it's a finite goal with an end, and I'm not going to say that because even if I got super healthy, even if I was able to get rid of all my ailments, I wouldn't be stupid enough to go back on what got me there and stop and take on a different role. I've seen enough benefit in this short period of time in this new lifestyle to warrant staying with it for the rest of my life I mean in this small short period of time it's been phenomenal today I wanted to talk about what things how my week went what things have changed and a little bit on adding the third quotient to my my life. How you guys doing? Which would be the active. So it's a whole foods, plant-based, active lifestyle. There's the that is going to be my generalized outside goal, my generalized goal for my life. That's the path to health. I'm tired of getting sicker and sicker and then relying more and more on 
doctors and medication when the medica- medication may solve an issue that, say, prevents or reduces my chance of heart attack, stroke, blindness, whatever. But the side effect is I feel like crap or feel worse. <laughs> or I feel like crap and now I feel worse than crap. So we're going to take an active role and see if we can reduce some of the maladies. Well, no, I can't cure cure them, but maybe I can halt their progression. Maybe I can reduce some of the medicines. Feel better. So far, the lifestyle itself has done a pretty decent trick at making me feel somewhat better. I, um, Went through Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow, this is a tough one. I did it. A little help from my wife. We, um, I'm following a few things that I remember last update I, I talked about ebbing and flowing and not being so scientifically perfect. Well, we've bought some vegetarian things to help along uh, meatless meatballs per se or vegetarian ground unlike sort of meat not meat <laughs> unmeat <laughs> to add to it about these uh, vegan patties and you take them out and they look like pressed vegetables <laughs> they really do. Yeah, look, at that. look at that. That's a piece of edamame. And that's a whole piece of edamame, but it's all pressed together. So what I run into is that technically that doesn't support the first part of my lifestyle. It supports a plant-based, but it doesn't support the whole foods. It is a processed food. I'm sure there's some chemical chemicals in I'm sure there's some stripping and cutting and and obviously, then I cook it, and it. But here's the thing: is like uh, last night I did uh, vegetarian enchiladas, and uh, used whole wheat tortillas. I used a lot of whole vegetables, onions, uh, red and yellow bell peppers. Uh, I used green beans, um, green beans, peas, and even some soybeans, edamame. I think if I put it, what I also did though, oh, and well, that's the seasoning. And then all I also did was use some of this ground, vegetarian ground meat, beef, which has no meat in it. But it was enough to flavor it without it being the center. All the vegetables I used were the center. I used a, uh, I didn't hand make a enchilada sauce with tomatillos like I have in the past. That just takes so freaking long. Although better tasting, I was limited on time. So I used a La Victoria canned or jarred. And it, on the healthier side 
and then uh, some like lavatory. I think mild salsa picante salsa salsa picante, and that was a oh <laughs> the, the one other thing I you did use low fat, but I used cheese. You know, low fat cheese to melt over the top of it. Didn't use a ton. I didn't blanket the whole thing. Just enough to give it some flavoring. But needless to say, so I'm having to resort to some other, you know, like I talked about, maybe a little meat in for flavoring is one thing. This was able to put in and it wasn't meat, but it's not whole food, so we're still following that ebb and flow. My wife used did uh, stuffed mushrooms, vegan stuffed mushrooms, and she used a little bit of that same type of ground beef in it. And uh, see, that's what I got. I mean, we made enough of them, serve them as a plate for everybody to have some, but the big portion of my meal for Thanksgiving was that. So were a lot of the roasted vegetables. I also brought a, a vegetable juice, fresh, fresh, fresh juiced vegetable juice that I had made in a big jar so I could bring that along. And then I brought a lot of crunchy raw vegetables to to gnaw, you know, gnaw on, nibble on. So, that was uh, how I got through Thanksgiving. I didn't find, didn't find it to be a real problem. I felt full, I felt satisfied. I did more explaining than I wanted to, but I guess it's good to explain it so one, you know, teaching helps reinforce it inside of you, and two, if people understand that they're apt to, you know, help you with it. I know my brother-in-law, who's a huge endurance athlete, just got back from doing the JFK 50, was a big supporter of it, because he does a lot of um, whole foods. He has his own meal plan. I don't know what it is. And it's definitely not plant-based all the time. But, you know, he switched over his diet when he went after Iron Man. And he's pretty much stayed on a good, strong meal plan. Rest of the week was very similar. I'm not finding it that difficult to stay on the program. I've lost a few more pounds. I felt better. All the things aren't perfect. Like in, I don't know, was it, that day was it that I was having such a, must have been Tuesday, because I didn't, we didn't work on Tuesday. And uh, good God. I couldn't get my bunch of gears down. They just kept going up. I pump a ton of insulin and they would go up more. And I pump a ton of insulin and pump go up more. Finally, the only solution I could figure out was I had to switch sites 
near my inf infusion site and then I switched it again had to do it a second time what that means is I'm where the pump tube goes into my body is a it's similar to an IV it's a infusion they call it an infusion site and I've used use it so much and so often you know it's every day 24 hours a day seven days a week it's always there but I, I move it every two to three days because you know to avoid infection and to let the area heal up because it is a you know it's a it's a needle stuck in there technically the needle is removed the needle is meant to place it but the slong half inch long cannula uh, rubber tubes very thin rubber tube the size of a needle stays in there it's hollow and that's what when the insulin pumps through it comes out into into the subcutaneous tissue on my abdomen well over years you build up scar tissue and what happens is, is if you go back into a deep area of knotted scar tissue um, you end up, uh, the insulin doesn't seem to get through. A lot of times it'll just pump back out, you know, through the bandage. And then I know I got a bad sight. You know, that's really easy to tell. But sometimes, oops, let's call that a turnaround. Come on, honey. It doesn't. Now, where it goes, I have no clue. That's a turnaround, so the wind should be at my back. should be easier to hear. So I don't know where it goes. You would think that since it is inside the body, it has to assimilate somehow that it would get to. It's a hormone. It's a signaling agent. It would get to signaling just later than sooner. But it doesn't seem to... just seems to dissipate and never be seen again. So I'm thinking that... I'm still going to have issues like that. And every once in a while I still have issues where I, you know, beans and lagoons and wild rice, although they're healthy and they're complex carbohydrates, they still carry a lot of carbohydrate and I still have to manage them with insulin. How are you doing? So I still have to deal with large boluses of insulin being dropped into my system and sometimes the insulin not getting to the sugar fast enough so rises and then drops sometimes too much insulin which then drop too much and I gotta eat some type of a simple fast carbohydrate to offset it but I don't mind having well I do mind any problem nobody wants the problem but I'd sure rather have the problems of that than feel sick and have the problems because I still have the problems. I'm having trouble here. I'm doing a, about a 16 minute pace on my walking here. It's almost infuriating because I'm used to, although running slow, it's a hell of a lot faster than 16 minutes. And uh, finding that breathing is a little restricted. So let's get to the active side of this. When I was 
at the peak of my running and I was doing, you know, a couple marathons and I had was training for one or the other ultra or, you know, even when I did the, the Ironman and we was doing double workouts, one of the things I, uh, I, um, well, we all have bad workout days, not bad workout days. That's, you all look at your workout schedule, your training schedule, and you see in that week a workout you don't want to do, a workout that's going to test you, a workout that um, takes a lot of mental prep for. It may be the long run. You know, a lot of times it's those, not so much the long run, but when you get close to the marathon itself and you're up in the 20 plus long 20 plus mile long runs those may get to you maybe the day you do a, a heavy bit of you know looking at weight training you know heavy heavy weight training day or maybe it's a uh, what else would it be uh, I don't know it doesn't matter say your your least favorite skill you're your triathlete happens to be swimming, you know, you may not look forward to the swimming nearly as much as you do the running and biking. <laughs> so, the one I used to look at on my training schedule was the big rest day. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to freak out. I knew my body would be twitchy. I'd feel out of sort for that whole day because I, I felt like I needed to be out there and I enjoyed to be out there. <laughs> Rest days were sort of my nemesis. If I got injured, heaven, you know, we all go through a... And we back off prior to a race and we go through those those couple weeks of feeling out of sort and you're in the midst of tapering they call it tapering sickness most people will who run or who cycle a lot can equate to the taper sickness or the injury sickness that you just go stir crazy rest days were like that for me so now this is my my first week back into the active portion of the lifestyle and I am a, <laughs> what is it, a body in motion tends to stay in motion, a body at rest tends to stay at rest, well I've been in rest for so long, <sighs> it's required Herculean effort, Herculean effort to get my ass out the door, to go for, I say a walk, I'm not going to stroll around the neighborhood. I'm pushing the pace. Like right now, honey, stay with me. Pushing the pace. I've got sweat all over my face. My shirt isn't drenched because it's not too hot, but you know, it's like 62. But it's definitely a moist shirt. I'm feeling the breath. My heart rate is in the 140s, 
shows you how out of condition I am. It's almost 145, 146. Wow. But that's the aerobic level right now I'm at. So it'd be similar to you runners out there running at your, I don't know, maybe 45 seconds to a minute under your marathon pace. Just but I, well, I did do two on Thanksgiving. I did one in the morning because I knew that I'd need a little bit of the endorphin endorphin rush, and one at the end because blood sugars were okay. So I did have some extra sweet potatoes, especially my my wife's sweet potato souffle, which has some marshmallow and butter in it. And most of the marshmallows are on top when I did scrape those off, but. To make it fluffy, she does put some in the in the souffle itself. Which we all know that's a between the sweet potatoes and the butternut squash soup she made. <laughs> We're a uh, carbohydrate laden, and that's okay. My wife did one of her world famous turkeys. It's funny we had three turkeys for dinner and Jess's mom Jess's mom cooked um, take that back two turkeys and a ham cooked you know think of that because I didn't even pay attention she cooked one of the turkeys and one of the and the ham and the turkey turned out dry at least that's what I heard it looked like it because I'm the only one in the family who knows how to carve that crap so even though I didn't get to eat it, I did have to carve it, and so I did the, uh, carved two turkeys, and I'm carving the dry one, and it's dry, it's ripping and tearing, and it's dry, my wife's, I slice into that breast, and juice almost squirts out, you know, you could take and squeeze the breast between your fingers, and it's so moist, well, I know that's because my wife really knows how to cook a turkey. She's done some studying over the years because we typically have the Thanksgiving at our house. And we have, between my mother, my wife, and I, have tested and tried different recipes and then added things from one and added things from another in order to create our, a way of doing turkey that works the best and it's you know it's based on what you fill the cavity with we don't do stuffing in there um how you prep the the turkey um one of the prime ones is a we brine it we've got a a lot of uh, uh herbs and things that we brine it with so she'll start a day and a half, two days ahead of cooking in the brine process. And then what you, how you treat the turkey prior to roasting it. We don't even um, baste it. Um, we might baste it once or twice with a little bit of butter juice to allow the skin to crisp up more. But honestly, it, it isn't, it's unnecessary. 
but we've got the right heats. And we have one of those, here's the secret, bottom line, an instant read thermometer. Don't go by weight. Don't go by time. You've got to have an instant read thermometer, and you can hit it with where in the thigh, or you can hit it in the breast, depending on your choice. We tend to sink it in the breast. I tend to shoot for 153, and our instant read is one of those probes that with the wire, the oven-proof wire that comes through and outside the refrigerator, and then you can set a, an alarm on the, the readout, and it's just on a magnet and sticks to the side of the oven. And I set it at 153 in the breast. And we tend to cook it on its back up first, and then we switch to the breast up. And when you had 153, professionals will tell you that 160 is the proper amount. But you want to take it out of the heat. Then we cover it with aluminum foil, and we let it rest. Well, that resting process continues to cook the meat. And it'll get to 159, 160, 161 in that process, but it will stop by then and not overcook itself because overcooking doesn't typically happen in the oven. It happens after you've taken it out and it looks good then, but it continues to cook. Okay, needless to say, I don't even know where I was going with that. That's just stupid. So exercising has been a test. But I have been getting out. Luckily, I have a very active job. Very active job. Yeah, I know that because I have a lot of muscle soreness here and there. <laughs> Even at the prime, you know, there's so much heavy lifting and so much uh, manual dexterity and manual motions. Even swinging a hammer, you know. I don't swing a light hammer. You know, both my hammers are very expensive, very heavy comparison. You know, I've seen heavier with the bigger framers but you know my hammers are made of titanium they're typically 10 ounces heavier than the standard homeowner's hammer because you need that weight to let the hammer do more of the work but that still requires your you to swing even the nail gun which you know weighs several pounds spent in your hand all day long twisting and turning whether you're nailing up nailing down nailing to the side or whatever requires a lot of forearm strength and of course my, my forearms are on fire they're just so sore weird thing has happened to me though my brother who's more of the sedate one he's always been somewhat active he had a He's a dirt bike rider and a surfer, like, I'm not a dirt bike rider, but, so he's been active, but he's never been in an official exercise program. Doesn't run, he's got bad knees. He'll complain about not being able to do this, that, or the other thing. But his wife got a gym, a membership to the gym, and she started doing weightlifting and spinning. Well, she talked him into couple spinning classes and he decided he liked it and he was going to continue with it well now he's gone from just an active being active to oh my gosh she's the exercise person 
of the family now. Of course, last eight months I've been dormant. I've been inactive. How you doing? So, uh, he, uh, he's doing a, what is it, a, he'll go, he'll go over to Gold's Gym and he'll do an hour of weightlifting and, uh, Nautilus stuff and, you know, all that. And then he'll turn around and do an hour, an hour and a half there of, uh, of, uh, spinning. And he's quite active. The rub of it all is, for the last, like, eight years, I have been the exercise person. You know, I didn't, I knew he didn't like to, so I would invite him to the races, but I wouldn't invite him to go for a run. Once or twice I did, and he was adamant he didn't want to go, so I never reapproached it. But I think he's, I know he's forgotten that I was the, you know, that used to run marathons, several marathons, and, and you know, ultra marathons. Both, you know, official and both by myself completely unsupported. And uh, an Ironman finisher. Not fast, but definitely a finisher. Where I've done all the hardcore working. <laughs> so he's now instructing me on how to get physically healthy as an active lifestyle. How much better I will feel if I would just go and work out. How much, uh, how to eat pre-workout and post-workout and how to recover. And it's funny because I listen to him and a lot of what he has is rudimentary knowledge. You know, I think I've forgotten more than he's even garnered. But, you know, how do I say that when I'm 100 pounds overweight and uh, okay well 90 now but um, and um, not active where he's you know, not only feeling the effects physically or internally but he's starting to see the you know some really substantial effects of this hard workout it's just fun, funny how life changes I let it pass because I know I don't want him to feel like I'm jealous or something and I, I'd like to get there and maybe join him. Hell, get him off the, I don't know, get him off the spin cycle and onto a road bike with me and maybe go and, hell, we don't even need to compete. I'd sure like to just have him go do a half or full century with me. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Everything I've done has been by myself. I have friends and I have relatives, uh, my brother, not relatives per se, but my brother-in-law. And then I have some friends who are runners. And I've done a few in the early days with them, but I kind of went over the deep end and they didn't want to follow me off the cliff. They didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid. So they, although stayed active and I, I see like a, my old running partner, she just finished the, um, I think the Silver Strand Half Marathon down in San Diego. But 90% of everything I've done, i just done by myself, which was the reason I started this podcast, so I'd have someone to talk to. <laughs> uh, 
How you doing? So, um, we, uh, I'd like to, you know, my brother is, I have two best friends of my brother, and my brother is definitely my best friend. He just gets the moniker of my brother being, to me, being more important. But he gets actually both. He's the one person, there's a lot of, all my friends I would do a lot for, but he's the one I would do anything for, including giving up bodily organs. And he's probably the one that I'd be the only one that would match to give it to him. I just don't think my health would allow they would be able to get, take it or he would even want it. Okay, so <laughs> I would love to get there. So I just button my mouth, nod, and I'm enthusiastic that he's being successful with it. And maybe it's that little bit of ego that it nibbles on in my my own life to know that I was there and hopefully maybe to stoke a little fire to keep me come back, coming back till I start putting some serious miles and running through my shoes due to too many miles start getting on the edge of running injuries because I've put ungodly weekly mileage on them. How you doing? With that note, I'm going to leave it. This has been a real long podcast and I'm sorry. Till next time, keep it healthy. This is Kevin Kilograms and I'm out. Oh, of course I can't. Get to my...